0: Good morning. Merry Christmas. Uh, It it is a joy uh, to be here on Christmas Eve to celebrate our Lord. Uh, I've been a little under the weather for the last few days, um, which is always, I'm pretty sure that's my new Christmas tradition. Uh, Every year we take some sort of sickness to my in-law's house. It's the greatest gift I can give them. Uh, but, but in actuality, even in the midst of being sick and out for the last four days, and and wrangling a family and preparing to travel, uh, it is still a joy to celebrate Christmas. And so, it is a joy to be with you guys this morning. Uh, and this morning, I'm going to share kind of a devotional on my favorite passage in all of Scripture, Uh, it it declares who Jesus is in the most clear way we could hear it. And since Christmas is all about Jesus, I think it's appropriate. So if you want to turn to Philippians chapter 2, we're going to pray, though. Heavenly Father, we thank You for this day, this week, this month of celebration of a coming of the Savior. But we don't just pray and celebrate for the hope of Him coming into a manger, Lord, because that already took place. We pray and hope and celebrate because of a Savior that's going to return who's already come, who's already won. But as a reminder, Lord, we get to spend time just celebrating that. A reminder when we look at all of the decorations around us. The lights on the tree, how He's the light of the world. The presence under the tree, how He was the greatest gift we could ever receive. The star guiding us to him. The candy canes telling us how he'd lead us as a shepherd. The tree itself showing us where he took his sins, our sins, onto himself. And so, Father, it's a great time to celebrate. And so, Father, I pray that we can celebrate. Jesus, this morning through Your Word. I pray that we can celebrate Jesus this week with our families and our friends. I pray that You would give safe travels to those that are coming and going from church this morning and those that will go and spend time with their families. Lord, I pray that we just celebrate You. And so, Father, speak to us this morning through Your Word. Father, we pray all these things, in Jesus' name, amen. They say there is a big man that lives far away. He is supposed to be jolly, but it's hard to say. I've never seen him and neither have you. The children believe, so I suppose that will do. He is known as a loner, only time for his work. He keeps to himself for most of the year, and we are grateful he doesn't appear. We send him requests for particular needs, but we never hear back who knows if he heeds. We try to be good and make his blessed lists. And maybe one day if we do what we should, he will give us, he will give us out our things as long as we're good. Now this is a small part of a video made by the church in England. Now I know what you're thinking. You're thinking of the jolly red guy. But the problem is it's not the jolly red guy. This is the picture that is often described as Jesus. Have you ever thought about Jesus that way? Have you ever thought about God looking down over us, judging us just to see if we're bad or we're good? That if we do good things, He'll reward us. That even if we try to do our best, we may end up on the naughty list. Do we think of God sitting off alone in the distance, never drawing near? If I followed Him, believed in Him, or went to church, would He give me what I need and want? See, this is often the picture we have of who Jesus is. This is often the picture of the society has of who Jesus is. A God far off in a distant place, leaving His creation to live and walk and do whatever they feel like. And if they're good, He'll bless them. But if they're bad, He'll punish them. The problem is, that's not who Christ is. We're getting our stories mixed up. So on this eve of Christmas, I want to share with you who Jesus really is. And as we look at Philippians 5-11 through 11 this morning, I want you to grasp what God says about this baby in the manger. About what his life looked like, and what he did, and what he calls us to do. Now the problem is with if you read five through eleven, you have to read one through five first because it's just it's necessary. Sorry. So this is what Paul says. Uh, we're going to read one through five here. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Now, as I read this story, there's a lot of things that go to my mind, but as we think about this season, we think about Jesus and gifts and family and friends and concerts and plays and food and rejoicing with this anticipation and lights and shopping and traveling. But often it's focused on what God can do for me and for my family. It's about forcing the perfect moment. Buying the best gift or even putting my family above Jesus Himself. And so Paul here is encouraging the church in Philippi to to look at Jesus for their example. To put others above themselves like Jesus did. He encourages them to have the right heart it's focused on Christ. He encourages us today to do the same. So this morning, I want to encourage you as I, as I walk through this passage, as we talk about this, as you think about Christmas, that you truly hear who Christ is. He's not some distant God. He's not writing down a list to see who's good or bad this is who Jesus is. And this is what He calls us to do when we follow Him. To have a heart like He does. See, so as I read this passage, we don't know exactly all of what was going in the church of Philippi. But I do know this. We have a great example of this. And I, with Jesus' own disciples. In Matthew, the disciples, James and John and their mother... Uh, Sometimes, when you're a little older and your mom steps in, it's probably bad. Uh, They attempted to pressure Jesus into giving them privileged spots in heaven. All right, they came to Jesus and they're like, You know, Jesus, we're pretty close. You know, we're working really hard here. We should get something for this. And you know, mom is probably there, like, Yeah, yeah, go go ask this. Go ask this. Now, the other disciples hear about this. And there begins a sharing of angry words and harsh gestures and an emotional like, fight going on. Almost like if your family got together and something happened and you, you got awkward real quick. Uh, so Jesus, of course, addresses the issue. He calls them to serve one another. A heart of service means putting someone else before yourself. Just like Paul is reminding us here in Philippians obviously, they immediately took to it and continued on the road serving Jesus well. Of course not. So a few days later, Peter and John, they go off and they rent a room for Passover. You remember the story, right? So they're in there and they're sitting around the table. Here's the thing though. They forgot to do something. They forgot to get someone to wash the feet. And so as they're lounging around the Passover table of, if you can't picture this, they actually lay on the floor on their hands and they eat, it, laying down so their dirty feet are around the outside of the room. And there's a kind of this awkwardness going on in the room. There's this awkwardness of who's going to serve whom. Someone needs to wash our feet, but I'm not going to do it. I'm not willing to do that. And so as they lay there thinking only of themselves, Jesus rose up. He took off his outer garments. He put on a servant's towel. He got the water. He knelt down and he began washing his disciples' feet. And he called them to be like this. I don't know what was going on in the church of Philippi, but Paul was reminding them this is what you have to be like. This Jesus. So who is this Jesus then that today we celebrate? Who is this Jesus that we're constantly talking about? We find in this, what is called the most beautiful passage in all the New Testament, this heart and declaration of what Jesus did and who he is. And this is what Christmas is all about. Now this isn't the story about Jesus coming as a baby and all of those details, but those are important and beautiful. This is the story of who Jesus is and what He actually did for us. Christ, Christmas is about Christ coming into this world, but understanding what He did truly is so important. It wasn't God just sending a baby into this world. It was God doing something that no one would expect or even really fully comprehend. So read with me 6-11 here. Who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross, Therefore God hath highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that in the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Christ, who though he was in the form of God, that's how Paul starts this poem or whatever you want to call it, but he starts with Christ who was in the form of God. Now, Paul uses a, a weird word for form here, but it means the essence of the person that is unchangeable. He's declaring something about Jesus that Jesus declared all throughout His ministry that people clearly missed out on and still today we do. Christ is not the picture of God. Christ was God. All his attributes, all of his character, everything that God was, Christ was. I know that's a weird sentence, but everything that God was, Christ was also. Now again, I know that the Trinity is often a confusing topic, but Christ was in the form of God. All the glory, all the honor, all the majesty, all the power, all the creativeness, all the love, all of the things we attribute to God Himself, Jesus was all of those things. Hebrews 1:3 tells us, He is the radiance of the glory of God and an exact imprint of his nature. Now, Christ doesn't reflect God's glory. Christ isn't like a mirror that if we look at him, we see God. No. He radiates God's glory because he is God. And being God and equal with God, the Father, he did not count this thing to be grasped. He didn't see his equalness with God, his power, his majesty, something to hold on to and take privilege over. See, I think this is kind of one of those weird things as we read verse 6 and we think about it and we say, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality of God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of the servant, being born in the likeness of man. As he goes on, we, we, we hear that. And we're like, yeah, that makes sense. Of course he's God. Of course he looks like God. Of course he had God's glory. Of course he didn't give it up. I don't think we can fully enjoy what that means. I think we can understand a little, and I think there's going to be a day when we stand in heaven and we're standing before God and Jesus and we really see what the magnitude of that meant. The significance of this is far-fetching. Christ stood in heaven, and though He was fully equal to God, He didn't see that as His right to gain power or use it to His advantage His equality with God wasn't something he wanted to hold on to and never let go. He saw it as something that qualified him to save us. I want you to think about that. All the glory of God, and what does Jesus use it for? The salvation of his people. All the power in heaven and earth, all throughout the cosmos... And Christ didn't care about all of that. What he cared about was us. It wasn't something to be grasped and held on to. Look at this great thing I have. I'm not going to share that with you. That's why we're supposed to go tell people the gospel. It's good news. We don't just hold on to it and say, I've got Jesus, how you doing over there? We tell people about it. All the power in the world. And he would willingly step down as a simple baby. So he made himself nothing. Now, the word here is often confusing to scholars because some of them believe that Christ literally emptied himself of being God. That Christ did not stop being God but he did give up a lot of the things that he enjoyed. He gave up his heavenly glory. He gave up his personal face-to-face relationship with God. He set aside his own authority and surrendered his will to God the Father and received the directions of the Holy Spirit. While he was still fully God, all the glory that he had held for eternity, he was willing to give that up and become nothing taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man. Part of making himself nothing and giving up all of these glory that he held when he was in heaven. I want you to imagine this. I want you to think about this. For all of eternity, face to face with God at all times. They lived in the perfect community and he said, I'm willing to give that up. You see all throughout the the Gospels of Jesus kneeling down to pray to God. That was how he talked to the Father. His willingness to give up and make himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, meaning that he was going to be born into this world. He gave up all his heavenly glory to be identical to us. Now I don't know about you guys, But I would look in the mirror and think, why? Why would Jesus want to be anything like me? So Jenny and I actually had a pretty funny conversation the other day about these things. I'm kind of a weird, musings and wondering kind of person. Like, I often ask the question, did Adam and Eve have a belly button? It's a great question. We don't know the answer. They did it. Anyways... uh, (laughs) So we, we began discussing Christ as a baby and we were just having this conversation kind of a, sitting there and being silly and, and so Jenny proposed the question of did Christ cry as a baby? And I was like, oh, I never really thought about that. And, and you know, we see the moment when Christ is on his way to raise Lazarus from the dead and his friends are crying and he, and he weeps with them and he grieves with them. But we have Christ... As a baby in a manger, as having a baby, I know that babies cry a lot. Uh, and so we began this discussion of, well, did, did Christ die? Because while he was human, he was also God. And so there began this weird conversation of, well, obviously he telepathically told Mary that he needed to be changed. Uh, and, and so we had this very weird, silly conversation, but we ultimately got to the answer that we knew to be true. course he cried he was fully human he took on the greatest sacrifice anyone could ever do he gave up everything everything to become a servant how many of us are willing to do that how many of us are willing to get out of our own way to help someone else a lot of us would. A lot of us would, but how many would do it for people that were bad, people that were terrible, people like me? See, I, I'm sure Jesus lived just like us. I'm sure he fell and skinned his knees. I'm sure he had was bullied. I'm sure he dealt with all kinds of issues as he was growing into a man. He walked through life just like us. He didn't just come down as God shaped like a human. He stepped out of heaven fully giving up those heavenly rights and becoming just like us. He took on the role of a servant. This wasn't just a baby in this mat, in a manger. This was God's rescue plan for His people. And so, being found in human form, He humbled Himself. Now He just said, Paul just said, He was being born in the likeness of man, and now we shift into being found in human form. And he and He's not saying the same thing. He's switching from the heavenly perspective of who Jesus was in heaven and what He was giving up, but to now. What it meant for him to be here and now on the earth in human form, he humbled, and this is key here himself. Himself. He was now fully man and fully God, which meant every physical effect that we feel, he would feel. I have no doubt in my mind that Jesus at some point got a cold dealt with that. Now, could Jesus have been like, "And I'm better? Of course. But then is He living as a human? He could have caught Himself off the cross. But then would He be doing what He came to do? This humbling was unique. This was not humbled by circumstances. This was not humbled by other per- people. This was not a humbling because He was forced to do something. This was Christ making a choice. That He would give up His heavenly glory and He would come down as a baby and He would walk the paths we walk here on earth. He did this of His own accord. He shows us what humility truly looks like. So much that He gave up His life for us. He humbled Himself, becoming obedient to the point of death on the cross. Now you remember, Jesus is equal to God. So who is He being obedient to? He's being obedient to God the Father. Serving His will. And we have all this prophecy all throughout the Old Testament that leads to the the birth of this baby and and the journey that Jesus will walk on earth and His death and His resurrection. I believe there's 320... I can't remember now, 328 or 3, one of those two. Prophecies about Jesus being born, Jesus going to the cross, and Jesus rising again that have come true, and that we know to be true. And and, and He obediently and humbly went to that path. Think about that. He knew all these things were coming. He knew what He had. He knew what He was stepping into He knew the journey to the cross, what it would look like, the whipping and the torture, the cross itself. He knew what it would mean to sit on that cross. I know it's Christmas and we're talking about some Easter things here, but this is who Jesus is. He knew what that meant. He knew what getting on that cross meant. He knew what bearing all of our sins meant because there was a penalty for sin and if He was taking them all, He was getting that penalty I want you to imagine the steps here. Jesus, being in the form of God, did not count equality with God something to be grasped, so He gave it up, becoming nothing. And He went to the cross obediently and humbly. But here's the thing, He knew what would happen on the cross. He would fill the full wrath of God for our sins. Equal with God. God. I'm going to humbly step down. I'm going to take all of that wrath that we deserve. I'm going to give up my heavenly place. I'm going to, Jesus was willing to do all of these things. He knew that anguish would come. He knew that pain would come. He sat in the garden praying that God would take the cup away. But... If this is his will let it be done. His humility would place him in that manger. It would have him travel through life like us and it would bring him to the cross. Now we we get a shift in verse 9. A shift from who Jesus was and what he willingly gave up to what he got in return and now it It honestly seems like a weird thing here. All right. You see Jesus give up all these things. You see Jesus humbly sacrifice and obey. And then he gets this great reward. Like, well, was it that big of a deal? He gets it all back. See, it may seem just like a weird. Okay, well, he did that because he knew he was going to get this. The answer is that is no. Is I don't think we fully understand because we're not God, but what he gave up. There's gonna be a day when we're sitting in heaven and we're standing before God worshiping him, and we're gonna realize what Jesus gave up. We're gonna realize how great and glorious it is to be in God's presence. So, therefore, God had highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name above all names. We have a shift from humility and humiliation of Christ to the exaltation of Christ. And this is is an encouraging thing for us. And we're going to get there. Our hope and our joy of this time of year and all throughout the year is because of this. An exalted Christ is one who we can fully put our faith in. One that we can see all His promises fulfilled through. See, Christmas is about God stepping down into the midst of our mess and saying, I'm going to be the sacrifice. But if there's no glory given to Jesus, if Jesus comes down and He dies and He's not rose again, and there's not this celebration and this... Fanfare and Jesus isn't exalted to this high place. All those promises that Jesus told to His disciples that remain for those who follow Him. That I'm going to go prepare a room for you. All those fall flat if Jesus isn't exalted. So Jesus has given up His heavenly authority. He stepped down into the life of man and has made Himself a servant. He took His servanthood to the ultimate place of giving up His life and bearing the sins of those who believe in Him. He not only received His heavenly glory back, but He had a new status. See, He didn't just come and become fully man and then return back to fully God. He was what is called the God-man. He'd gone from the lowest possible point, bearing the sins of everyone to the highest point of exaltation in heaven. He'd experienced everything that man will have to experience. Death on the cross, punishment for sin. If He never came as a man, He could never be our interceding high priest or a substitute for our sins. All of these promises that Jesus shares throughout the Scriptures would be for naught. So with this, Jesus would receive the ultimate title of Lord. Lord. We don't live in an age of lords and ladies and kings and queens that rule with mighty authority and power. But Jesus will be the ultimate Lord. Every knee will bow. It's not every knee as in every knee of the followers of Christ. Every knee. Angels, demons, believers, unbelievers, every person and creature will bow down And call him Lord. This is the Christ we worship at Christmas. This is what we celebrate and get excited about. I don't know what brought you here this morning, whether you attend this church regularly or it's Christmas Eve and you wanted to hear about Jesus. And I'm sorry that we're not in Luke chapter 2, we're reading through Matthew. but I want us to see who Jesus is. It doesn't end at a baby in a manger. It doesn't end at the cross. It ends with Jesus exalted in heaven, and we as those who believe in that will one day celebrate it. That's the anticipation. That's what Advent's about. That's why we celebrate and have joy for a month. I think we should have Christmas at all times. Maybe not the music, but I'm okay with the lights. All right? we, should, we should live our lives with a celebration of who Jesus is. I want to read this to you and then I'm going to close in prayer. I, I want you, Again, this is my favorite passage of Scripture, but I want you to hear it over and over. and bestowed on Him the name that is above every knee, name. So the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So I say Merry Christmas because wow, what a Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank You for the opportunity to stand here and worship with, these, with all of these people this morning, Lord, as part of Your church. Father, I'm so grateful that Jesus would give up everything and make Himself nothing be like me so that father if i believe in that that christ came and that he he went to the cross and he took my sin and he died on that cross bearing my sin and if i believe in that and i believe in his resurrection And his exaltation in heaven, Lord, that I will have true life with you. And Father, that's what Christmas is about. Christmas is about Jesus stepping down so that we can be lifted up. And Father, we are so grateful. Father, I thank you. I thank you for the opportunity to worship you this morning. I pray pray for these people here that they would celebrate you in a greater way. Or maybe for the first time. Father, we thank you for all that you do. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.